Liran Hirschkorn, your host of the E-Commerce Mindset Podcast. And this was a really fun episode I got a chance to uh, host this week um, because it not only has one guest or two guests, but I had the pleasure of having three guests with me on the show. Uh, we had the uh, VP of Acquisitions, Nate Jackson from Perch, as well as their one of their category brand managers, as well as a seller who sold the brand, uh, their brand, Cali White, uh, to Perch um, on the show. So um, we'll really have this discussion of hearing both kind of perspectives from the seller side, the journey of you know selling to an acquirer uh, of Amazon businesses like a Perch, as well as uh, from their perspective why they decided to buy the brand and some of the insights you'll hear along the way for example some of the things that the seller would have done differently um, had he kind of done this all over again um, and, and kind of knew what he was entering into going through the process so i think you're really going to uh, enjoy this episode with uh founder of cali white casey as well as uh VP of acquisitions at, at Perch, uh, as well as their category brand manager. So enjoy this episode. The ep episode is sponsored by IncrementumDigital.com. Incrementum Digital is a growth engine for brands on the Amazon platform with full brand management, advertising, and DSP, as well as a full suite of creative services that we are uh, offering uh, brands to help them scale and grow the business on Amazon. In addition, if you're looking for growth capital for your business, I'm an advisor to a company that is building out growth capital plans for brands. We've been able to help many sellers just in this past uh, April alone. We help fund about $7 million in lending, including $1.3 million that was approved just over the weekend for uh, for a seller. And lastly, if you're looking to exit your business, there is a lot of excitement currently around uh, exits, around valuations rising, um, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my email's in the show notes, whether it's on Growth Capital, Incrementum Digital, or exiting your business, and I can help uh, guide you. Enjoy this podcast episode all about the process of buying, selling with both the seller and the buyer on the show. Okay, so really excited to have uh, some special guests on the podcast uh, today. Kind of a unique episode because we normally have one guest uh, on the podcast, but um, today we actually have a uh, more of a panel and a discussion uh, first with uh, Nate Jackson, VP of Acquisitions at Perch, Casey Coleman, who uh, just sold his brand Cali White uh, to Perch, as well as Mike Wolner, the category manager or brand manager that, that's working directly with uh, Casey uh, on growing the uh, the brand uh, at Perch. So thank you guys so much for uh, for coming on the show. Thanks like for having us here. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm going to start with you, Casey, um, a little bit on um, the story of, you know, how you got into uh, starting Cali White and, you uh, kind of the, the journey of, um, you know, growing, growing that brand uh, on, on Amazon. Sure. Yeah. So uh, back in, I think 2017, uh, my wife was having like really serious autoimmune issues. So as a, like the same story, a lot of people have, they're going to doctor specialists and getting no, no help at all. So we went down the path of, you know, changing diet, really examining what she was putting in her body on a daily basis. And consequently me as well. <laughs> so we noticed uh, like the oral care products that we're using, there was tons of chemicals and she's actually a dental hygienist also. 
So, um, you know, that gave me some insight in the space. And I saw like a really big white space for a cleaner, you know, way to whiten uh, oral care products. So that gave me the idea. I also am big, I had e-commerce experience. So I look at trend data, search data, and I noticed, yes, there was an opportunity. So um, yeah, 2017, I launched our first product, which was the charcoal uh, whitening toothpaste. And it just like timed the trend perfect. And that's actually how I met you, Liam, is uh, you're one of my customers, fortunately, for a while. So that's, it's full circle now. But uh, yeah, then we launched whitening kits. Uh, we exploded in growth from 2017 to 2019 to where towards the end of 2019, we were doing over a million a month um, in our channels. And then like into 2021, we were continuing our growth and then COVID hit and we had some supply chain issues. Uh, so we ran into the main ingredient in our like whitening gels is called car bomber. And that's all also the main ingredient, hand sanitizer. So you can imagine that caused some, <laughs> caused some supply chain issues. So we, you know, tried to navigate that as best as we could. And then it coincided with, you know, Nate reaching out and, you know, the growth of the FBA acquisition market. And, um, I had no intention of selling, to be honest, but then I kept getting emails from Nate Perch first. And then a couple other, I'm like, okay, this must be a sign, you know? And, um, we want, I knew what I needed to do to like continue the growth, right? I needed a really solid team. And so when they approached me, I was at an inflection point where I was like, all right, so am I going to have to hire 10 really high, high, highly qualified people or agencies to get to the next level or Nate? And I'm looking at their LinkedIn pages and I'm seeing all Ivy League, Bain, you know, and then all this experience. A lot of them came more high up at Wayfair. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not, not an Ivy League folk, but, uh, oh, yeah. but I, snuck, I snuck in. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm just looking at the caliber of people over there and I'm like, where, how am I going to ever afford to have a team like this to, to take it to the next level? So that's really the, you know, where the decision process came. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you have any more questions, but that's kind yeah, of the so, arc. I wanted to keep it as close yeah, as possible. So, so but, the process yeah. started what, you know, basically you, you were not necessarily of the mindset of looking to sell the business, but you got approached by, you know, like you said, by Perch and by, you know, um, several other companies yes which sort of like you said to yourself okay maybe maybe it's time to to sell the business it was definitely a sign when you see a market trend like that and then like if i thought i could have easily grown it myself but yeah like i said i knew i needed a team of highly quality individuals as you know Liam, very well like e-commerce gets constantly more complex and you need like um you know like an agency like yourself running it, you need several teams. Now it used to be easier to kind of be a one man band, but not now. And so I just having a new son, that was another big decision. Um, and actually, if you don't mind, I'll tell a quick story. So when we were going through the negotiating process, I don't even know if Nate knows this. Um, he sent me the contract at 11.15 PM on a, like, I think a Thursday or Friday night. My wife had went into labor at 11, or 11 PM, 15 minutes before. So she's in labor. I'm I'm on the DocuSign trying to sign the contract while she's like in between contractions. It was it was pretty pretty intense situation. But yeah, it's it's all exciting. So yeah. for the record, if I knew that you were doing that, I would have screamed at you just put away the DocuSign. I couldn't and yeah, give, I it couldn't, a, give it a few no, days. Sell the business before the baby, you know? But, See? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sign, knows sign the like document. To have an Amazon business. Yeah, you want to? I was like, you know, I don't want any issues. I want to, you know. So, but that's a, I, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I do think that the only time that I went 24 hours without exchanging some form of contact with Casey was was when his wife went into labor, and so, um, so I, I kind of suspected that that, that is that is what had happened. Yes. Um, we were psyched, psyched for you guys. Yes. So, so, um, 
you know, Nate, um, you, you had mentioned to me kind of like um, when we spoke a little bit about doing this podcast, you know, this is uh, this is one where we, you know, there there were some challenges with this with this brand, right? Probably the the supply chain and, and some of these things. So, like, as you look at it from a from a buyer standpoint, you know, what are you what are your thought process on? Okay, we're taking this thing on, but you know, there's been some challenges with this brand, you know, in the last year, and like, um, you know, what are what are the yeah. things that, that you're weighing on sort of deciding right. to, to to buy this brand? Yeah. So the as Casey was talking, I was thinking the pandemic giveth and the pandemic taketh away. Mm -hmm. um, like everyone was impacted somehow by 2020, right? A lot, a lot of brands for the better, but with more complexity, some, some to the net, um, some face new challenges. And you know, at at Perch in general, really briefly, um, you know, we're we're acquiring leading e-commerce brands, brands that have done really well. Um, the number one most important thing we look for is a product that has um, demonstrated with thousands and hundreds of thousands or millions of customers that that people like it, that is a good product, that it outperforms its competitive set, and has uh, you know solid fundamental unit economics. And um, there's a whole lot that goes beyond there, but we believe that when you've got a good product and a and a, a brand with real potential, um, that we've got you know we've got time to figure out how to. Um, how to pull a bunch of different levers. And, and that's what Mike is working on in our team um, to, to sort of have the long-term view of growing these brands uh, for many years into the future. And so, um, you know, when we started to get to know Casey, one, he's just a lovable guy. Like, like every conversation <laughs> we had with him was, was super fun. And, and um, could how important, how important is that the, the founder personality dealing with them in general in the, in the acquisition process? I would say, um, like inevitably, and anybody who's bought or sold a business will tell you that you really, you really just have to have a trusting relationship with each other, um, because no matter what contracts you write, there are points in time when both directions are just totally exposed. That if somebody is acting, if somebody is not, um, is, is is like I don't know, is is wants to uh, treat you poorly, they absolutely could. Um, and so at the end of the day, I put a, I put a high value on spidey sense of the character of people, um, that we're working with. And it doesn't even take a very good spidey sense to get to know Casey and feel like, yeah, this is a great, a great person to work with. And, um, somebody that will, will kind of partner with, with, and, and the truth is like, when you're buying these businesses, you're going basically on all like unaudited data in the sure. first place. Right. So like, sure. You really, right. really do need to trust the numbers that you're that you're given, and you know a lot, a lot of things. Right. So there are moments in time where we're going through, like, you know, Casey's business, for example, had a bunch of Shopify ads, uh, or you know, a bunch of Shopify business, and and on Amazon. And there are points in time where, you know, in order for us to fully audit what what Facebook ads were for the Shopify side of the business, which we were kind of treating differently than, than the Amazon business would be a whole bunch of work. And that, you know, it was towards the end of the process where we were able to say like, you know, we, we trust you and we're, we're partnering with you in, the, in this way or that way. And, and it's, again, that that's not something that, um, there are situations where we probably would have felt like we needed to go deeper and sharpen the pencil, but I think we had enough mutual respect and trust at that point that, that there are situations where you can extend that, that confidence. Um, but yeah, all, all that to say that um, with, with Cali White, I think what we saw was, you know, this brand, as Casey said, you know, at a point in time was doing a million dollars in sales 
um, a month. And through the impact of the pandemic, um, you know, Casey had trouble getting supply, right? Getting enough product um, into position to sell. And so had to pull way back on ad spend uh, and therefore sort of saw organic ranking stumble, I think over the course of that year. And so it was, it was tricky for us to piece together like, okay, how much, how much of what happened here was, uh, was just supply? How much of it is competitive dynamics? There are new brands like Hello that, that um, came in in a big way into the space. Um, and so, so basically what we had to do was say, uh, you know, this is a different trend line than most of the, the brands that we're buying, but do we believe that the fundamentals are there? And the reality is, yeah, we've got hundreds of thousands of customers that love this, that are repeat purchasers. I think the subscribe and save and the repeat customer rate is higher here than almost any other product in our catalog. Um, and so what we saw there was a, a great foundation upon which, um, and, and a real true brand, I would say, that that kind of has more levers for us to pull than just tweaking PPC, right? So Mike can get into this, but this is the, a brand where, um, you know, Casey never had the ability to sort of push into brick and mortar. Um, our head of brick and mortar right now was on a Slack channel this morning showing facings of a natural food store saying like, boom, there's a hole right here. Let's, let, you know, this is what we have to pursue, right? And that's not, you know, that's probably not going to be the case for our silicone tongs where it's just, right. you know, we're not going to compete with OXO, but, but this has a real distinct brand opportunity. Um, you know, getting back into or really going into Europe, it has some complications, but we know that there's kind of long-term potential there and, and a big category. Um, and then frankly, Mike leads a lot of our affiliate and partnership uh, sort of off Amazon uh, partnership um, opportunities where we know that there are a bunch of levers we can pull. So between the off Amazon opportunities and um, the ability to you know, take a good run at doing the reinvestment to re-rank and um, get back now that we've got our supply chain uh, into a, a bit more of a solid spot um, was kind of, uh, you know, came to the point of time where it was, uh, it was a, a bet that we were taking on a turnaround where normally kind of, you know, historically most of our brands had not been in that situation. But um, whereas we got to know Casey, we got to know the brand fundamentals, sort of saw the opportunity to, to you know, bet behind that and uh, bet behind a good partnership going forward. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, want, I wanted to ask, um, you know, so now Casey is kind of seems like involved with um, Mike on working, you know, working on the brand and working to grow the brand. How, how involved does a founder kind of that sells needs to be? Is it, is yeah. it, is it optional? Is it obviously there's um, I'm sure in, in most deal structures, there's upside. There's yeah. not a hundred percent cash paid at, at closing, right? There's, yep. there's some percentage that's left for, for kind of future. Um, so how to, how to, how should people selling who say, Hey, I want to sell in like, I want to be done with this. Like I've been working on this thing for five years every day, dealing with, you know, ASINs getting taken down and fighting battles every day. And I kind of want to be done while balancing out like, Hey, I have this upside potential and I want to make sure the brand is, yeah. you know, is growing at the same time. What's the kind of balance of involvement with, you know, founders who are selling? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And um, the first thing I'll say is that it varies. It can vary quite a bit. Um, and it, yeah, if you were listening to just the conversation so far, you might think like, it, like it's, it's helpful to get to some clarity on this. I would say the major, the vast majority of um, our transactions, and I do think this varies by acquirer. I know that there are people, um, there's some folks that are basically, you know, doing a financial transaction, but sort of 
um, I, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but but basically you're still doing your job, um, but you've you've sort of had a first exit and have a second exit in the future as more of like a private equity investor sort of model. R you know, run from there to kind of our standard deal where um, there's a whole bunch of transition work in month one, a modest amount of transition work in month two where you're tra tracking down open orders and things like that. And then after that, like it's probably a couple of emails every month to say like, you know, to find out what's going on with something that's stranded at a 3PL. Um, that's that's what I would say is kind of the norm. Um, and um, and in Casey's situation, I think I think the, the gist of it is that we, and you, you guys should fill me in because I haven't been uh, uh, that close kind of post post close, but the, the idea here was, you know, we're gonna take over day-to-day -day operations of the brand from getting POs placed, managing the listings, managing PPC, managing pricing, um, when the ASIN gets suppressed, you know, we're, we're solving it, figuring it out. Um, but uh, as Casey sort of was able to step back and, um, you know, step back away from the day-to-day -day that we did want to have, you know, he's got a bunch of deep oral care, care expertise. And so as part of his transition work, it's not like he's, uh, you know, getting the product relisted when it gets taken down by Amazon. It's more like, <laughs> let's get you in some strategy sessions with Mike and a broader team to say, like, what are the... Like let's rack and stack our ten priority levers, and you know what have you tried before that that you'd say, hey Mike, that's actually a dumb idea, it didn't work for X, Y, or Z reasons. Um, and here are the three things I've always wanted to do that you're not talking about that that we should think about. Um, uh, and so that's that's kind of my view of of what's you know how Casey I think has had probably a bit bit more than than average um, involvement, but but still not sort of a situation where he's in the account every day. I certainly hope not. <laughs> um, and um, and then the, the last thing that's unique about Casey is that um, he had a fairly big uh, proportion of sales that were on QVC. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if this is uh, on video or on vo voice only, but um, but Casey's way more handsome than me and Mike. And so he, we knew that he- Like we very not, white teeth. I mean- Yeah, it was very white teeth. <laughs> I gotta look the part. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah. And so, so uh, Casey's continuing, like we, in the structure, he's able to continue to have the profits of just basically running the QVC channel for the next two years. And we'll eventually likely transition that over. Um, but, but kind of, that was a, in both sides, best interests. Um, and, uh, and so that's a bit unique here, but I would say the norm is, the norm is kind of within six weeks, you're pretty, six to eight weeks, you're pretty much hands off. Hands off. Um, but uh, in a world in which there's a bunch of big strategic choices in a, in a turnaround like this, um, I think it's in everyone's best interest just to have live dialogue. Um, and then there are sellers that we don't, we're not asking for input from, but then they'll, you yeah. know, be five, you know, a week before Mother's Day and say, this one competitor always does this one image change on Mother's Day. Like we need to do this. And, you know, it's great. It's, we, lo we love hearing that. We love getting all sources of input. Yeah. I, you know, the, I would add to that. We kind of have an open door policy on the brand management side. And so to the extent that founders want to be involved longer, you know, Casey has my number, shoots me texts all the time. Like, Hey, I was just yeah. thinking about this, or I just read about yeah. this thing. Um, and we welcome that, you know, for us, the very first thing we do after we ostensibly take over a brand is try to figure out exactly what made it successful, what the founder did right to turn it into a superstar brand. And so it's really important to us that the founder feels comfortable coming to us, telling us what they think. <laughs> if they're watching something, seeing some opportunity that, that we're not seeing, you know, we welcome that feedback. And I want to, I want to say, um, Mike has never seemed annoyed at me texting him or, or, or bugging him about anything. So thanks. Thanks for that, Mike. <laughs> no, I, it's totally yeah, genuine. We, I, I, we love yeah, hearing from you. 
All right, great. Yeah, I, I did want to say one thing. So, you know, my unique situation where the company was like a decline on sales. So Nate did a really good job of letting, like structuring the deal to where if we turned it around, I benefited fully from it. So our incentives are extremely aligned, you know, so they don't need to like require me to work for them. And plus, you know, I created the brand and I'm always going to be there if they need to talk to me about strategy or, or the new oil care products. So yeah, I just feel like the, the contract too incentivizes me to like keep kind of a pulse in the market and, and, and know what's going on. So. And I also feel like when you create a brand versus just some mix of products, there's probably more of an emotional connection to it. Right. Then like. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it was my, it was my story. And then, you know, the blood, sweat and tears that goes into an Amazon. And then, you know, I, I try to create a brand here. That's why. And actually this is one thing I wanted to say, um, which I wish I would have done in hindsight, you know, I was trying to grow outside in so many different channels. Um, You know, we really push QVC, we really push Shopify and then, you know, a lot of started some social channels to grow the brand. And in hindsight, if I would have like known the market for FBA acquisition and what they really cared about, I probably would have put more of a focus on Amazon. I had just been frustrated with Amazon, you know, with the shipping times with COVID Mm -hmm. um, and all that kind of stuff. I, I kind of put my focus away, but, um, yeah, it's been, I just wanted to grow brands. So that, yeah, it's basically. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. Um, you, you are, you are not necessarily preparing the business for sale. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, you, you mentioned to me before we, before we hit record, like, you know, you had, you been preparing the business for sale, you, you would have probably done things a little bit differently. Like what are some of these things that sellers should be thinking about today? If, Yeah, I can, I can actually tell you what really helped a lot. So the due diligence documents that Perch gives you, I'm sure, you know, you could get something similar to that online. So I would advise any FBA seller right now that wants to sell, go ahead and try to find some due diligence documents that would be closely related to something that Perch would give you. Because once you organize your business in that way, um, it gives you a lot of clarity, right? And then when you know the metrics they're looking for, like, you know, the profit margins they get, like, you can start within four to six months changing your supply chain and business to fit that, right? So you can maximize the multiple and what you're getting. So because I wasn't trying to sell, I was trying to focus on growth, not as much profit margin, you know, and I was testing out channels, you know, like Shopify can take a lot of uh, trial and error to get to work, you know? Um, so yeah, in hindsight, know, know what the future acquisition market's going to look like when you're selling and try to work backwards that way. So that would be my advice. But, yeah. but is there like, you know, if you, meaning on the one hand, if you haven't fully optimized the business, then somebody who's looking to acquire it is saying, hey, there's some things in here that I can optimize for and increase. That's a good, that's the, actually a good point the, too. The Maybe profits, they, right? so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to hear from, from Nate's standpoint. Yeah, Nate right? would be able to answer that. If yeah, a business Nate. is like perfect on all angles, like, are you still interested in buying that business? I, I mean, it's a really, it's a really fascinating question. And there's definitely like, there's definitely some sort of, mathematical curve that uh if i had gone to an ivy league school i could know the exact <laughs> curve as you said at the beginning there are but yeah. um but yes you're you're right that um certainly like a, a business that is seeing stable stable and steady growth um is going to have a higher cash at close multiple than something that's challenged or declining naturally because um you know you're looking at run rate versus um versus a year ago um you know, that's, that's kind of obvious. There's a counterpoint where, especially after COVID, when we see something that has tripled in profit, quadrupled in profit, and, you know, it's a jump rope that raised their price from $9 to 25.99, dollars 
you know, that's just a business I can't, I can't in good faith buy at almost any multiple because it's just so unpredictable. Right. Like that's, that's a different story. Um, but there is a, a third version of, you know, really amazingly well-run brand, fully penetrated into Europe, um, like into all the geographies, which is one of our key growth levers, um, like really optimized PPC spend and, you know, where they're, they're not spending nothing and they're not spending 20% tacos. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it means <laughs> that they're, you know, they're, they're clearly experts on that already Boku merchandising, excellent merchandising. Um, they're doing meaningful volume in Shopify or Walmart profitably. And they've got off Amazon partnerships. Like at that point, it's kind of like, well, what's Mike going to do? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and any multiple that we're paying on a business is because we believe we're going to grow the profit of that business. And so there is kind of a paradoxical element for me. Um, and this is the way that Perch approached it. Like we're, we're trying to be thoughtful about what is going to happen and how the future is going to play out. And, um, you know, on the one hand, somebody might salivate over that business that I just described that's doing everything perfectly and, um, and you know, pay, pay like the richest multiple for that. Um, I wouldn't, I, I, I would rather, I would rather, I would pay more for something, a higher multiple for something where there's still levers I can go pull. I would, would I want to own that business? Absolutely. Yes. Cause it sounds like it's a, a great foundation and we have bought businesses like that. Um, but, uh, but you know the growth story is is more of a challenge, and you need to probably believe more in product infill, um, which I think is has its own risks and 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 variability too. Um, but it's uh, yeah, I would say you should always try to do everything with the best extent that you can. But also, um, so it's not like you should start to sandbag one element of your performance. But the reality is that's super hard. Like, and it takes like Casey was saying, it takes a team to get there oftentimes. Yeah. And so the thing that I would encourage people to think about is like. What's the marginal effort associated with eking out that next, you know, next step? Um, and if it's something you can do without doubling your effort or your sort of team investment, then you should do that. But if, you know, if launching in Europe is something you haven't done and you're selling medical products and there's like all sorts of crazy compliant stuff, um, you know, we've got, we have paid uh, compliance experts that have spent 20 years in this space that are like in-house. And so that's the sort of thing where it's like, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't bother with that. I wouldn't bother with that. Um, that's the sort of thing. Whereas if it's like, hey, I think a merchandising refresh can bump my conversion by 50%, you should do that. Right. Uh, but, but you got to kind of pick your battles of what you want. Yeah. And I mean, I guess even if you have a great business that's growing, that is well optimized, you know, there is the vision for what is the next six to 18 months kind of look like from product development and here's the next seven products I'd be launching in the next in the next year and, and coming coming with that coming with that to somebody buying the business and showing them the growth potential I think is uh, is really important right because I think anybody that's looking to buy the business is trying to think about where am I yeah. going to get growth from um, yeah. you know in this uh, in, in this business um, so um, Basically, you know, so, so your plan also is not to just sort of like optimize for FBA, but you're, you're looking at retail opportunities as well with the brands, with some of the brands that you're purchasing. Yeah, there are definitely like fairly boring brands we have that will not, will never be a Shopify brand or will just like not have a right to compete in brick and mortar. Um, Cali White, I think is on one end of the spectrum with that. So Mike, I'll probably... If it's, yeah. I, we haven't synced up very recently, so I'd love to hear what you guys are doing on the brand side. Well, we'll just have a, a team meeting right here. 
<laughs> well, so no, I think I think one thing that's important uh, context for Cali White in B two B sales or brick and mortar sales is that we want to pursue the strengths of the brand. So we're not acquiring uh, you know a widgets business and trying to throw it into Whole Foods, uh, but in Casey's case. You know, he had done a lot of really important work in order to sell on QVC. So things like getting his claims clinically substantiated. Uh, he had some approvals that were impressive. His branding and his brand is really professional and and is done with really high quality uh, merchandising. So it made it a natural fit to move into our B2B pipeline. Uh, same goes for our affiliate channel. We're, we have a robust and very fast growing affiliate function at our business. And one teeth whitening is the good category for, uh, for the affiliate business. But Casey having a product that's made in the United States, uh, natural in a category that's reasonably trendy and has healthy margin, um, you know, it just makes it an amazing candidate for this and type. When you say like a f- affiliate marketing, is that you go into like publishers you know, um, online in terms of, in terms of like affiliate deals or, um, what, what does affiliate marketing kind of look like when you're, when you're looking to, to, to enter that space with a, with a brand? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a great question. So there's a massive ecosystem of Amazon affiliates. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all over. It, they range from large publications to individual people posting daily on TikTok. And at Perch, we have a really big advantage in, in working with these individuals because we have a very wide variety of products that fit a wide variety of end customers. And so we ha- another way to put it is we have a lot of content for them <laughs> to post about. And so we're able to develop relationships with a, a framework of brands that we have today. And each time we add a new brand to our portfolio, we can kind of push with the relevant affiliates to see if there's opportunities. Um, it also gives us the opportunity to be a little bit more in control of sales, right? Um, many, many partners that we work with like to do things like exclusive deals or et cetera. Um, and so if we have a product that we're interested in pushing or a new product they're interested in launching, we have the opportunity to work with them to do that type of thing. Makes, uh, yeah, make, makes sense. And uh, yeah, the ability to have sort of multiple products in a category and work with influencers or affiliates. Um, yeah, it's just going to allow you to be in touch with, with those uh, sources, you know, uh, basically more, more often. Those deals are, those deals are like, a, they've got two sides to them though, because we've had, you know, they, they generally either don't go as well as we would have liked Mm-hmm. Or they go way too well and we're out of stock, we're out of stock like immediately. Um, so I know there have been there have been some like, whoa, what just happens? And uh, and sometimes we know that these these sort of uh, publications are coming out and we can plan around it. And then other times uh, we see like a twenty x day sales in sales on some brand. And Joe from our growth team says like. What, what happened <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's something like that we joke there's two types of posts that come from influencers or partners one is the type where they send you an email and they say hey my thing went live check it out mm-hmm. the other is the type where you go to business reports and then you send them an email <laughs> you right. say hey I see your thing went live right 
yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, inventory planning around that, I'm sure it could be challenging too, because you really don't know how, how something might perform. Where on Amazon, you kind of know your, your ACOS, your sessions, your conversions, and kind of like um, what that looks like. So it allows you to be in control, but in some sense, you kind of also, from an inventory standpoint, need to have a strong, um, strong, strong inventory um, capabilities to make sure you don't go out of stock, right? When those, when those kind of things happen. Um, I want to um, I want to jump to you, Nate, and kind of maybe talk a little bit about in general, like what do what do you look for when you know as you look to to buy brands? Obviously, there's thousands of of, of brands that you can go on and and buy. Um, what's what does Perch you know primarily look for as far as like category size, um, yeah. revenue margins uh, in general? Yeah. Um, so we, uh, it's a great question. Um, so, uh, the, in terms of category, we're, we're pretty agnostic. There are some, I would say, bad neighborhoods of, uh, of Amazon that we that have, it feels like disproportionate black hat that we, we steer clear of um, just because we don't never will do that. And if we buy a brand that was- Like quilting, um, for example? Quilting? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know the quilting. A lot of, uh, a lot of crazy <laughs> black hat going on. Yeah. Nothing would surprise me at this point. Um, but yeah, we're, we're fairly category agnostic. And so most of it is, is um, you know, we have this thesis that that have demonstrated that they can win on Amazon um, and that have a, have the social credibility of review and, and rating um, either dominant or, or sort of competing for leadership positions um, and are overall just a, a high quality product uh, that is resonating with customers that those, those brands are, are ours to lose that are that sort of their their right to continue succeeding is um, is there and uh, we can only build on that uh, for the long haul both on Amazon and off Amazon and so the, the number one thing we're looking for is uh, a set of products that are a, a brand of products it could be a cohesive brand like like Casey's it could be somebody that has a bunch of random things but they've got you know a number of winning products within one brand umbrella but but sort of competing in different niches. Um, but at the end of the day, we're looking for things that have uh, demonstrated great review and, and rating counts, um, uh, solid underlying unit economics. So, so these are things that you're able to do a high volume at reasonable margin. So we see everywhere from 20% to 30, 35%, um, sometimes higher, but don't really bank on that being permanent um, uh, net margins. And, um, and again, like I said, Love it, love it if there are things that we come in and say, hey, we know that we can go pull X, Y, or Z levers, which is generally the case somewhere. Um, and uh, and in terms of size range, it's uh, it's moved up quite a quite a bit over time. Um, we we started off kind of looking at anything that was a million dollars in revenue or or higher, um, and that is still true. We will look at like a single ASIN million dollar revenue brand, but generally speaking. Um, you know, the brands we're buying are significantly larger than that typically today. Um, so I would say, you know, the median median thing right now is is in the eight figures. Um, wow. But um, but uh, but also, there's a whole bunch of great businesses that are that are seven figures that we're we're excited about as well. Um, Have you found that it's just like instead of managing ten brands that are a million dollars each, it's just easier to run one brand that's ten million dollars? Yeah, yeah. One one transaction process, uh, kind of. Right. One set of one set of um, suppliers that there's a relationship with, um, and uh, generally speaking, those are in larger markets where we see 
uh, a larger opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, the, the businesses like Perch will succeed or die um, mostly by like your ability to manage complexity. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is that is the name of, game, of the game. Right now, we are buying a number of very complex businesses. Um, and I absolutely would have said no four months ago, but as we've scaled up our operating team with people who are way smarter than me, um, we've got increasing capability and kind of- I, I, I believe people. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, we've got folks that, you know, uh, you know, are, we've got folks that were, did a bunch of complicated logistics at Wayfair. We're right down the street from them. We've got a bunch of ex-Wayfair people. And so, you know, they know how to move big and bulky things around the country. They know how to stand up a facility. Um, so we just brought on somebody who's gonna run our, our physical warehousing, um, which, which previously we, we, did, we did all three PLs. Um, but we're increasingly realizing that supply chain expertise is gonna be a differentiator here. And we have a lot of it. Um, realizing that the tech behind managing you know, buying a 1000 SKU uh, brand, which to be clear, I would way rather not buy a 1000 SKU brand, but like, I'm pretty sure that um, not many of our competitors have the tech to do that really well. And uh, even to take the deep breath and do that. And we're realizing that that's a differentiator. So um, we've definitely invested in our ability to manage complexity. Um, and my ops team will, will kill me because they'll say, still, please just buy the simple ones. But um, <laughs> but we're like every every time we do something new, it's building out our capability to um, to sort of open up our addressable market in the future. Um, uh, and I won't talk about all the, all the different ways that, that that looks, but basically new channels, new uh, new capabilities, new geos um, that, uh, that open and, up. And all that, is, all that is upside for uh, for the, the founders that are selling their, their brands. Right. Right. Cause as we like, honestly, we said no to, to sort of running Casey's QVC business, um, initially. And I think he was excited to continue doing that. And, and, um, but the reality is we've since come under LOI with the business that where we are planning to take that over because they had a paid actor. And, uh, and so we kind of knew like, oh, great. Nader Mike doesn't have to go on TV, uh, cause we wouldn't be good at it, but, but, you know, that is now a channel where, you know, we kind of get our foot in the door in all these places. Um, and again, our, our kind of multi-channel team is saying, let's rack and stack our catalog and say, what are all the problems that we can push there? Like, oh, amazing. Our Satina leggings, like, could definitely sell those on QVC. Let's get, like, let's make sure we've got stock, but let's, let's go get, um, you know, get somebody out there um, driving that. And so you, you're absolutely right that um, we kind of have this best in class informal mastermind that we would like to formalize a bit, which is everybody we're buying a business from was doing something better than everyone else that we've ever interacted with. And we're trying to piece together the various strengths that people had and say, you know, where does this thing that they were doing really well translate to another brand? Well, um, yeah. So, I mean, great, uh, great story of building, building this brand and, uh, and partnering with Perch to, uh, to, to sell it and continue to grow it. Casey, I want to end off with um, you know, you're, you just had a baby, um, you're still young. Like what, what do you think about as you kind of like sell this and, you know, what is next for you in terms of like you exit a brand? What is, first of all, what's a feeling like suddenly to kind of like something you were working on for many years and you kind of like giving up to some extent, is that like bittersweet in, in a sense? And it, like, it is. Yeah. What yeah. are the things that people will feel as they exit and think about what's next? 
Um, you know, it's crazy. I thought I was just, you know, like having an Amazon business, like it's hard to sleep. Sometimes you're always worried about ACEs getting shut off and things like that. You have so much risk all the time. So just alleviating that, you know, I was like, I'm going to be able to sleep better, but then I had a kid that exact same time. So yeah. I wasn't sleeping, but so in the near future, I'm hoping to sleep a little bit, but, um, I really, yeah, just, just kind of decompress from it. You know, when you're in Amazon every day, it's so dynamic, it's changing so much just to take a step back has been nice. I'm, I'm ready to jump back in. Um, I, I don't know exactly in what facet yet. Uh, I have a ton of ideas, you know, um, and then I, we'll, we'll see what, what, what it holds. You know, um, I think there's still a lot of opportunity on Amazon. Um, I just think like what Nate, Nate spoke to, it's so complex now. Like just for example, running the QVC portion of the business, the logistics side of it is like almost a full-time job for someone. And I was doing it, you know? So to really grow in those retail channels and everything else, you need someone else. So I know you're like, I know I was like giving it away to someone that I didn't truly know yet their capabilities. I just had a good feeling, but I, I think brand owners should not see it as much of a risk and more, there's more upside when you go to some with someone like Perch, because you're never going to be able to do it on your own without a lot of sacrifice and investment so really think about that and, and i i put a lot of i'm a big surfer i put a lot of focus on my lifestyle you know i want to make sure i can do the things i want to do and then spend time with my kids so you got to take consider all that when you're making the decision and you know i've been really happy so far and and i'm excited to you know really start pushing you know it takes a few months for them to get a hold of understand the brand and get everything so yeah i'm gonna in the short term i'm just gonna work with them um uh, Maybe, you know, I've been toying a little crypto stuff, but uh, yeah, eventually, uh, eventually I will uh, probably do another brand. So awesome. Great. Well, yeah, really appreciate uh, uh, Nate, Casey, Mike com coming on and uh, kind of talking about this experience of, uh, of working with uh, Casey Cali White and, um, and acquiring and growing the brand. So thanks so much for, uh, for coming on. All right. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much for listening. If you are not in the e-commerce mindset Facebook group, there's a link in the show notes to join the group. And we'd love a review, not we'd love, I'd love a review of the podcast on uh, iTunes as well. If you haven't had a chance to uh, do that, and I'll see you on the next episode of the e-commerce mindset podcast.